0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, page 984 in your chair. Bibles there, 984, Colossians chapter 2. Father God, shepherd us through this text today to a greater love for you and a greater concern for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you know that there are pirates in the Bible? As I was studying this text, I was like, there are pirates right there in Scripture. Today, the title of the message is Watch Out for False Teaching. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk us. Verse 6, let's go to verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. That word there, that idea of take you captive is, as you think about a pirate, what would they do is they would sneak up on an unexpecting ship, they'd jump the board, and then they would spoil everyone, right? They would take all of their stuff, take your jewelry, unload everything, and then they jump back on their ship and take off. And that's actually the picture here, that there's a false teaching that will come and board a Christian's life and steal something from them. And I have watched Christians have their joy sucked right out of them because of false teaching, I've had Christians walk, walk um, who I've seen. There's no sensitivity to the Holy Spirit because of false teaching. I've seen Christians walk away from clear biblical texts that are obvious if you're humbly studying Scripture because they were taken captive by the pirate of false teaching. So the question is, going to happen to us? You bet it can if we're not careful. And so today, as we look at this, I would say what Paul gives us here is a theological antidote for false teaching. Uh, COVID really made a lot more of us think a lot more about infectious diseases, probably than we wanted to, and uh, how to avoid it, how to best prevent ourselves from it. And Paul gives this as a theological antidote. And so if you're taking notes, the entire sermon can be wrapped up in one sentence, and you're like, good, say it, and let's get out of here. No, that's not how preaching works. First of all, false teaching, I want you to notice that it says anyone, be careful lest anyone, so they can be an inside or outside of the church. I want you to see the goal of false teaching in verse 8. The goal of false teaching, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. The goal is to take you captive. As I read scripture, I see that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God, the Son sets free, but false teaching enslaves Jesus says abide in me false teachers say obey me Jesus gets the glory and we get the growth you remember John 15 verse 5 abide in me and I in you as The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine So you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. That's what he says Whoever abides in me he it is that bears what much fruit false teachers get the glory in the growth Have you ever watched these uh, preachers online, they get up, and they have this great sermon, and then they say, plant a seed of faith of $1,000? And you're like, where did that come from? (laughs) How did you get to that from the text, where it's like, all of a sudden, you want me to send you $1,000? There is giving as an act of worship, which we do here. But then there's like, hey, if you have a disease, you just send $1,000, and I'll pray for you, and you'll be healed. And one of the things you'll notice about false teaching is they're the ones who, they drive the real nice cars, they drive... Driving a nice car is not bad, okay? It's not bad. But they've got these massive mansions, they've got these massive churches, they've got these massive incomes, and it's built off the backs of poor people often and desperate people. But Jesus Christ says, When you follow me, I get the glory because everything's supposed to be for His glory, but we get the growth. How then is someone going to take you captive? How in the world will a pirate take over your life? Well, Jesus actually told us the way that this needs to happen is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. What is the strong man of a Christian? I'd say it's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ and our safeness in Christ, if you would. But beyond that, go over to Galatians chapter 2, because I think it's also the, your freedom in Christ. And what God has given you, Galatians chapter 2, just back a couple of pages, 972, Galatians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says that these legalistic people came in, and I think what Paul was dealing with in Colossians was religious syncretism, so they had Jewish legalism, they had mysticism, they had ritualism, and a whole bunch of other ism diseases coming into the church. And Paul says in Galatians that the legalism that was there, because of false brothers, verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4, false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. A false teacher is very good at enslaving you. does not encourage freedom. He encourages slavery. Or she, just so you know. There are female false teachers out there as well. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 tells us, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm in that freedom, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So we say, well, do I get to live however I want? Paul balances out with verse 13 of chapter 5. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I think one of the strongest powers in a Christian's life is their freedom in Christ. And the goal of a, of a false teacher is to get you to get rid of your freedom. Then they bind you in that because then you are enslaved to whatever they tell you to do. And your relationship with God is whatever they tell you to do. So what is, what is the weapon? Uh, if you've ever watched someone get... Or if you've ever watched online when a store gets robbed often they come in with something right they come in with a gun they come in with a knife or whatever and you've seen a store manager get robbed probably in a, a video sometime there has to be a weapon some sort of threat and the false teacher's weapon is actually this philosophy here and philosophy is the love of knowledge and he says that it's empty. Back in Colossians chapter 2, he says this philosophy is empty knowledge. If you've ever been fishing and kept the fish, that does make a difference. Uh, we used to go or well, we still hopefully will get to go to northern Minnesota. And every once in a while, you catch a whole stringer full of fish, and you hang it on the dock, and you're going to clean it at night. And along comes Mr. Otter, unbeknownst to you. And Mr. Otter says, oh, look. Food that I don't have to chase. (laughs) And you're just enjoying a nice quiet supper and then you go out to clean your fish and you grab that stringer and you pull it up and you know what you got? A bunch of heads (laughs) that are still attached to the stringer. And all of a sudden your stringer is empty. And Paul says this teaching is like a stringer fish. It's empty. And it's according to three different things in this text. Did you see that? See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit according to three things, human tradition, the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Tradition is the first one. and Many times people say we've always done it this way. I got to preach this text at uh, the nursing home on Sunday, and I told them I like preaching it ahead of time because then I know what I should say and shouldn't say or what I, what I need to adjust and whatnot. You know that there is a huge tradition that you must be baptized to be saved that is passed down generation after generation after generation. There's a huge tradition that you have to follow sacraments in order to get into heaven, passed down from generation after generation after generation. And so there's all these traditions, and Paul says, this is just a tradition of man. We've always done it this way. Do you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees about human tradition? Look at Mark chapter 7, verse 8. Mark chapter 7, verse 8 tells us this. Oh, no, don't I have it? Oh, okay. My bad. Do we not have Mark 7, verse 8? Next verse. Okay, go back. Go to Mark 7, verse 8. God, turn there. Get your fingers warmed up. Jesus says to the Pharisees uh, this is page 842. We'll go back to verse 6. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as is written, these people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are from, fr- far from me. In vain, in emptiness, there it is, do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. There it is, the false teaching and tradition. Verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition of man. Do you know when you hold on to man's tradition, you have to let go of Christ? You have to let go of of what god has said and so they use tradition we've always done it this way look at how long we've been around they also use elemental doctrine elemental teaching which i would say are rules for those of you who uh well right now our children are young we have two wonderful children outside the womb one that's getting ready and i cannot tell you how often i say don't touch that it's hot don't get in that stop hitting your sister stop screaming stop crying you're okay don't grab that no don't run into the street do this don't do that pick up your room feed the dog but on and on and on and on Emily and I went out to eat last night and it was like I just get to eat (laughs) what is this strange feeling because Usually you're like, no, don't grab that. It's hot. No, you're gonna touch your arm in the ketchup and that is hot hot sauce You don't want that I trust me you don't and then you go shopping Can I have this no can I have this no can I have this no? What is it? What we're what, what, what we're seeing is children need rules if I take a 30 year old out and I have to tell them Don't dip your arm in the ketchup <laughs> We've got a problem Right? You should be able to figure out by at least your teen years some common sense, says the guy who doesn't have any teen kids. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Elemental doctrines. You'll notice false teachers have a lot of rules. Lots and lots of rules. One of the false teachers who honestly communicated the Word of God. And there was, there was some good stuff in what he taught. But he had rules about how long ladies' dresses and skirts needed to be because, you know, shorts were sinful and pants were too. So he had rules about that. He had rules about diet. He had rules about everything. I mean, and you had to read your Bible for this long and pray for this long. And whenever you sinned, this were, these were the five steps to get back into being right with God. And it was absolute slavery. And if you've ever seen or heard of the uh, TV show, Shiny Happy People on Amazon, about the Duggar family. Uh, It was him. He was the teacher there. And so false teachers, they'll use these elemental doctrines instead of teaching biblical principles. Adults live by principles. I want you to think through even, um, we've got some younger people here, and at a certain age for a guy, girls aren't quite as weird as they used to be. All of a sudden, girls are like, I've seen her before, but now I'm seeing her in a different way. And then all of a sudden, guys for girls, it's like, you know, he used to be really dumb, but now I think his dumbness is kind of cute. You know, it's just like, all of a sudden, there's this shift. You know what I'm talking about. And so you go through that. Okay, now again, I'm speaking... (laughs) as one without teens who are in that situation but there's two different ways the parents handle this one is parents sit their children down and they say okay here are the rules you're not dating until you're 40 and you don't get to ever be with a guy by yourself until you're 40 and uh, don't kiss don't hold hands don't be in a car together don't this don't that don't this don't that don't this don't that that's one way and I as a father That's the way that sounds great to me. (laughs) Here are the rules. Daughter, I love you and you can be mine for the rest of our life. You don't ever have to go get a guy. There we go. Are you teaching your child well to date well if that's how you teach them? No, that's elementary doctrine. Do you know that there's another way? It actually, you can encourage them to read Song of Solomon which was written for the daughters of Jerusalem without husbands. And they might say, you know what? The biblical principle is that I'm to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. And because I'm doing that, I'm studying his word. And perhaps they read the Song of Solomon and they read in there, do not awaken love until it's ready. And they say, you know what? I'm 15. I don't think I am ready for love. Is that mature thinking? Yes. Okay, do you see how false teachers have rules? Godly people live in the freedom and they turn from that. And then the, there's other the distraction which is not according to Christ, which leads right into our second point here. False teaching devalues Jesus Christ. So false teaching devalues Jesus Christ verse 9 through 15 says in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority in Jesus you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who Raised him from the dead you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. No false teaching ever did that. Only Christ ever did that. There is no amount of goodness that can nail your sins to the cross. There is no amount of goodness that can take care of all those things. There is no amount of goodness in you or following of tradition or following of rules rules that can disarm the rulers of the world. None. But Christ can. And he has. <laughs> and so false teaching will always distract from and turn away from Christ. They attack him in three ways. They attack his deity. They attack his deity. It says here that in Christ, the fullness of God dwells bodily. Jesus is not a picture of God. He is God. And one of you guys, you're going to have to wrestle through in your small groups. Is there a difference between being divine and deity? I'm not going to give you the answer. You'll have to figure it out. God's power is seen in nature. You remember Romans chapter 1 when he says God's um, his divine attributes, inclu- including his internal greatness and his divine power, is clearly st- seen in the things that are made. So you can go out and you can check out the sunrise. You can go and you can see this this, this incredible um, nature. In fact, Chase, did you watch the Mr. Beast video yesterday? No. Okay. Mr. Beast came out with a video yesterday. And it's a one versus $250 million private island. And so they go into all these different... Islands and I was amazed because guess what they end up on an island a hundred and fifty million dollar island Okay, tons of money and guess what they're amazed with a turtle I'm not joking. You can go watch the video if you have YouTube just click YouTube It's probably the first recommendation Okay, I mean just like a turtle here. We have 150 million dollars. That's money that most of us can't even comprehend. We'll never see in our life. And they're like, Oh, turtle! Okay. Oh, what do you have? God's like, Yeah. Kind of made the island. Made the turtle. I'm not impressed with your money. His divine power is seen there. Jesus Christ is God. They attack his deity. In him the fullness of God dwells. If he chapter 1 verse 22 through 23 says this he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all same word so guess what the fullness of god dwells in jesus and we dwell in jesus so guess how much you have you have all you need in christ you're filled with christ and so they attack his deity just know false teachers will always make you feel like you're less than or like you're missing out Or like there's just one secret that you're going to be able to fix everything. And I see this play out especially in uh, younger people when they're struggling with the sin and marriages. Most marriages that I know of take work. (laughs) Most marriages that I know of, I probably could say all, they're difficult. You kind of got to work through some things. And oftentimes... We I I can see Christians they'll come with an idea of if I just read enough books There's like there's this one piece of information. that will make me forever understand my spouse and we'll have this perfect relationship going on No, there isn't But see that will take you captive because guess what you'll read book after book after book after book after book after book looking for the secret bullet And I see this also with um, young guys, especially with pornography. There's just one thought I need to have that will all of a sudden erase my desire for sin ever again, sexual sin ever again. And so they're taking captive book after book after book after book, verse after, verse after verse after verse after verse. Because it's false teaching that there's just one one little thing that I'm missing out on. So false teachers will always make you feel like you're missing out. They attack his deity. Secondly, they attack his ability. It says that in Christ you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Is Christ enough to save us? That is the question Romans chapter 6 verse 6 says this says we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so we may how much longer be enslaved to sin no longer be enslaved to sin the circumcision with Christ is better in its character it's internal and not external it's better in its extent it deals with the body of sin not just part of the flesh and it's better in its author, which is Jesus Christ and not man. And this is pictured in baptism. Do you know why we don't baptize babies? Because we believe that baptism is a picture of what happens when you're born again. And so it's just an outward symbol of an inward change. And so when you're up here and the, the tank is full, I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his what? death and raised to walk in newness of life. And that's what it says here is happening is that verse 12, you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive to walk in newness of life with him, having forgiven us all of our trespassers, trespasses, We have to know that Jesus is able to save anyone and everyone. Amen? There is no person that you will talk to who is too bad for Jesus to save them. Because he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to him. And you need to know that you can't save yourself. I was super encouraged. I haven't kept up with him too much. But there's a comedian, Russell Brand, who has gotten in some big trouble with some sexual allegations. And he was big into YouTube. He talked a ton about spirituality and the search for the divine, which is why I asked your question about divinity and deity. I might have given away my answer. But anyway, uh, and so he began talking about all this spiritual stuff and people would ask him questions about suffering. And you know what he would say? Suffering is simply handled by changing your mind about something. And his illustration was this. He would say, a child suffers out of fear of monsters under their bed yes yes or in their closet my daughter it's a closet you know we put her to bed go we leave and all of a sudden there's a blood-curdling scream (gasps) what you forgot to shut the closet it's like so (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's monsters in the closet what needs to happen to that child is they just need to think on what is true there are no monsters in the closet and he thought that was true of suffering that whatever suffering you're going through, just, you just need to shift your opinion. Well, guess what? He's been completely demonetized because of the allegations, and he's gone through some serious suffering. And all of a sudden, he goes, I'm reading the Word of God. I'm reading C.S. Lewis's problem of pain, and I'm beginning to realize that suffering is real, and the only religion that actually deals with suffering is Christianity. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I love it. And I, I I love it when I see these people. And I've seen a a guy who's a millionaire by age 26. He's a millionaire. He's doing really, really well for himself. And, and he comes on and he's talking to a Christian. He's like, you know, you have this peace that I can't explain. I'm like, yes, God can save anyone. He is able to do that. But false teachers will always attack his ability to save lastly they attack his sufficiency is christ enough because here it says that when you receive christ as your savior your sins are nailed to the cross how many of you can time travel none of us can okay so if The Bible is true. None of us can go back and take our sins off of the cross and have to pay for them ourselves. Therefore, your salvation is taken care of on the cross. Christ is sufficient to get rid of all of your sins. And he's sufficient to pay all your debt. And it was so fun Friday as I was preaching this to, I think I had eight or nine ladies and one guy. And he always, you know, I'm the only guy who comes. I'm like, yeah, I know. Guys need to be more serious about Christ. You do. As I'm preaching this though, she just began to cry. All her sins were paid for by Christ on the cross. He is sufficient to pay all your debt. It says here, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. If you think about This picture, what would happen in the old times is um, if you had a debt, they would write it on vellum, and whenever your debt was paid, they would take some water, and they would drop it on the vellum, and and your name would literally be wiped away, that the debt is paid. And your sins, what Christ has done on the cross, if you place your faith in him, is to wipe that debt away. So here's my question. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but we want to know... So what? Who cares about this? I want you to try to ask an unbeliever this week, how much debt can you have in heaven? How much debt can you have in heaven? Now, obviously, we have a a secret. We're talking about sin debt, not money debt. How much debt can you have in heaven? None. And you all, I'm not in debt. Well, let's think about the Ten Commandments. Do not lie. Do not hate. Do not lust. Do not hate is not one of them. Do not commit false wow there we go let's just move on <laughs> i want to encourage you if you're struggling to trust christ as sufficient uh, i read a story years ago before they ha- they would put you under for surgery uh, there was a guy who came in with a very large wound and the surgeon said i want you to take a good long look at that wound stare at it for a little while and then fix your eyes on me until the surgery is over Isn't that what we should do with our sin? Take a good long look. I am completely sinful. The Bible says that my desires are sinful and that if you're in the flesh, you're dead even while you're living. And then look to the Savior, Jesus Christ, the great physician, and fix our eyes on him. Got a couple of quotes here that hope to encourage you and then we'll look at what this means for us. John Newton says, are you not amazed sometimes that you should have so much help as you do, that poor and needy as you are, the Lord thinks of you? Let not all you feel discourage you. For if our physician is almighty, our disease cannot be desperate. If he casts none out that come to him, why should you fear? Our sins are many, his mercies are more. Our sins are great, his righteousness is greater. We are weak, but he is power. Most of our complaints are owing to unbelief, and the remainder of a legal spirit. Jesus took your sin debt, and he nailed it to the cross. And that's why you can freely proclaim that if you will trust Christ, if someone will trust Christ, their debt is paid for. So I'm going to skip over the last quote, and then I'm going to go straight to watch out. False teaching devalues Jesus Christ, so watch out for him. Watch out. Watch out for information overload. False teachers have a whole lot of information. They want you to feel like you're missing out for instance, today, most teens know how to start a business, run a budget, work out, and uh, have a great marriage. Most teens know that. You know why? Because they have TikTok, and they have YouTube, and they have Instagram, and all those uh, information is there. How many teens do you know that are starting businesses, <laughs> working out great, have a great marriage, etc.? No, because what often happens is we have what I just heard about this year. You could write this down L I A R, spells what? Liar, and it stands for low information application ratio. Think about how much information you get in a week. How much do you apply? Low information application ratio. We often don't apply what we're taught, but we heard this morning as we meditated on, we're supposed to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Most media just gives us information overload, and false teachers will have a ton of information. Also watch out for insufficiency overload, which is um, where you always feel like you're less than. Jesus Christ said, if you have received me, whoever comes to me, the Father will not cast out. So, As we watch out, I want to give you a couple of questions. Ask a believer, what place should the law of God have in our lives? And then ask an unbeliever, how much debt do you think you're allowed to have in heaven? We want to apply the word of God. What does it look like to think through this text, talk about it with others? And then you're going to wrestle through in your small group, why do we still sin if we're dead to sin? And look at some texts there. But before I wrap this up, I want to share one more story with you. As I was looking through this, we last week were really talking about the importance and the need for discipleship, where we are encouraging one another to grow in our walks with Christ. And this week I talked to a pastor who used to be a deacon, and he said the first time he began to hear a pastor saying that he needed to disciple, he thought, isn't that the pastor's job? Isn't that what we pay him to do? And it was interesting to me as he said that, that oftentimes we can come to the Word of God and think, I just need to feed, and that it stops there. But what we need to realize is, if you know Christ as your Savior, the Word of God is not just supposed to feed you, but it's supposed to go from you. Tony Evans has said it this way, we are conduits of grace, not containers of grace. And the difference is dramatic. Um, One more illustration, then I'll wrap it up. If you've ever been to a pond that has no no sort of fresh water flowing into it, what often covers the pond? Slime. What happens to a Christian who just gets information after information after information and never passes it along? Gets stagnant. Question is, who are you passing it along to? Do you see yourself As a conduit through which God wants to teach what you have learned to others. And another question for you. How old do you have to be to be a conduit of God's grace? Is Simeon old enough? How about Ashton? What about Eli? You bet. Let's go and do that. Father, let this church be built on the foundation of, of Jesus Christ and him alone. We love you and ask that you help us now to continue to grow in our walks with you as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen.